Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you. And uh, wanted to go uh, real quickly to uh, our text line. Uh, had a, a great text come in uh, with a great question. Uh, it said, please discuss what this year m- means for future caucus convention uh, with three governor candidates on the primary ballot without uh, convention. In other words, uh, three of the candidates for governor uh, were able to get the requisite 28,000 signatures and uh, will be on the ballot uh, already for the June 30th primary, uh, end of June, late June primary there. Uh, and so it is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I do think the one, probably my biggest concern uh, in terms of the future, uh, again, whether it's on the Democratic side or the Republican side, uh, is that the legislature has not deal, dealt yet with the plurality issue. So right now we've got three candidates for governor uh, that are on the ballot, and the potential could be that we have two more added through the convention process, depending on who wins. Uh, But you could technically have two of those who didn't get signatures uh, come in first and second uh, during the convention this weekend and uh, be on the ballot. So you could potentially end up with five candidates on the ballots. So if you you do the math, uh, someone could win with 21, 22% of the vote. Uh, and uh, that's not good for democracy. We've got to figure out a way to deal with the plurality issue at minimum. Uh, I think this is going to lead to a, a lot of debate in terms of the future of both caucus and convention, signature gathering, uh, and a host of other things, which is good. Uh, we need to have these kind of conversations, figure out how do we get more people involved and engaged, uh, and what we the people need to do to become more engaged and involved in the process, because the process does matter. Uh, you learn so much going through the process. You gain an appreciation and a perspective that you just can't get any other way. So appreciate that uh, on our Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line. Great question, uh, and I'd love to, to take those on every day. All right. Uh, in our final few moments, uh, we want to get to Earth Day. It's Earth Day today. Happy Earth Day. It's 50th Earth Day, uh, which is not insignificant. And so I want to hit a couple of things there. When we, when we talk about uh, this Earth Day... Uh, I don't think it's insignificant that this 50th anniversary of Earth Day uh, is happening at a time when a lot of the country is in uh, shelter in place or stay at home orders or directives. And as a result, the air pollution uh, in congested areas uh, of the country and around the world uh, are learning that, hey, we, we can do things a little bit differently. Uh, and so I think that's a, that's an important thing as we as we look at it uh, in terms of Earth Day. I mentioned earlier on in the in the program uh, that uh, I, I think it's I think we have to avoid the the fake fights and the false choice of this issue. It has become such a wedge issue in the political space that it often prevents us from having the conversation we need to have uh, in order to get to the best solutions for people for human beings. Uh, and for the environment, for the earth. And those are not mutually exclusive. 
And, and sadly, that's what politics has done uh, in recent years, uh, has made it such a divisive issue that if you, you know, you're either a tree hugger or an earth hater, and, and that's just not reality. Uh, and it's not helpful. It's not productive in terms of how do we move forward. Uh, and so a couple of thoughts that I wanted to share today. One, uh, I think the fact that, again, we're having this 50th anniversary of Earth Day in the middle of a pandemic, uh, it does actually refute the myth that nothing can be done to change our air quality or to help better uh, be better stewards of the land. Uh, because the, the satellite data clearly shows that the fact that fewer people are driving <laughs> to work every day, fewer people are commuting, uh, manufacturing's changing. Uh, so we can change. We, we can improve. We can make some differences. Now, I also think it's important to note that, uh, that, that our air is cleaner uh, than it has been in decades, and that improvement is being made. So, again, it's not this either-or choice that uh, those on the, the ends of the spectrum uh, want us to believe. And so I think the important thing for each of us is to recognize, okay, so what can I do? What's my responsibility? What's my role, whether I'm a business owner, whether I'm a citizen? Uh, what is it that I can do to to make a difference? And uh, obviously one of the things that uh, I think can be done and I think uh, is important uh, is to just check the innovation, the ability of the entrepreneurs and businesses in this country to to make a difference. Uh, technology in the private sector can lead out on so much of this. Uh, tech companies with uh, nothing to gain but the satisfaction of doing the right thing have proven. They've proven that during this coronavirus pandemic. Uh, all kinds of manufacturing plants have retooled their equipment to make protective gear in, in just a matter of days. Just a matter of days. We, do, we don't need a blue ribbon panel from the federal government or from some international organization we just do that. Uh, in fact, one of the, the great examples, James Dyson, uh, vacuum cleaner fame, his company, it took his company a week, week and a half max, to change their system from making vacuum cleaners to making ventilators. Now, I guarantee you, if we had taken that problem to some blue ribbon panel somewhere, it would have taken a year's worth of meetings and all kind of convening and all kinds of studies to figure out what they were going to do to create more ventilators. And here, American entrepreneurship steps in in a week and a half, and they're producing ventilators for patients. That should tell us something about a great way to move forward uh, in, in trying to improve our stewardship of the planet. And again, I'm just going to reject today that these are either or uh, propositions because that's just wrong. And I know I know that's how people do their fundraising. They convince you that the other side is evil and that, you know, whatever is going to happen unless you contribute 50 bucks today, uh, reject that. Don't buy into that. Uh, there is a better way. Uh, and I'm convinced if I had to bet the ranch uh, in terms of who's going to lead out, with the kind of innovation that will really help the planet the most, I am not betting on a bureaucrat from Brussels in some cubicle. I'm going to bet on American entrepreneurs. Uh, they've proven time and time again that they can get this done. Uh, but I do hope, I do hope we all pause on Earth Day and figure out, okay, so what, what can I do? What can I do different? What can I do better? How do I become part of the solution? It's one of the things that has been most encouraging to me in this whole pandemic 
is our ability to come together to do the right thing, to do the thing that will actually benefit the most people. Uh, it's, it's showing us that we can do that. Uh, but again, I would, I would focus on how do we do that? Uh, I, I firmly believe that Americans believe and live that being careful stewards of the land and our resources for future generations, Americans understand uh, that government does play a small but important part uh, in ensuring all of this gets done. And yes, we need to make sure that bad businesses and bad actors are, are held accountable in all of this. But again, remember, it's, it's American ingenuity and innovation that's going to really lead the charge in all of this. And so as we celebrate a 50th anniversary of Earth Day today, and as we are in the middle of a pandemic, uh, I would ask you just to remember this, that the coronavirus is actually helping us to accentuate our stewardship over one another. So it should help us to better see our role as stewards of the planet, too. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources. And as always, as you go out into the world today, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.